It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spring practice is back. Football starts today. Let's go. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blagerbean. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Happy Monday means we're joined by Lindsey Crosby of AuburnDaily.com and the host of Locked On MLB Prospects. The Hugh Freeze era, when it, as far as practice being here, Lindsay, it starts today. The media will get a 20-minute or so viewing period later today. We'll discuss that on tomorrow's show. But, Lindsay, I mean, we, we've talked about the roster time and time and time again since the end of the season. And there's just a bunch of dudes that could be huge winners over the course of the next few weeks throughout Auburn Spring. So we're going to highlight two guys on offense two guys on defense that could be huge winners this spring. The first one is very, very clear, Lindsey Crosby. Yes, before we jump into it. Just clarifying, we're talking about practice. Practice. <laughs> practice. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking practice. about practice. Okay, go ahead. The first player that could be a huge winner this spring. He could be the winner. He could be the storyline of spring. Holden Gariner. Entering this, arguably the third-string quarterback, I think there's a strong chance he's the second-string quarterback, Lindsey. We will have to certainly wait and see. But if this goes the way Holden Gariner wants it to go, and maybe the way Hugh Freeze wants it to go, Philip Montgomery, we'll have to wait and see. But look, Holden Gariner, he can run this offense, whether it's Philip Montgomery, whether it's Hugh Freeze's system. Holden Gariner has all the tools to be able to do this. He's not, He doesn't have the legs of Robbie Ashford. But he's still mobile enough, we think. We haven't seen it at the college level yet, but he's got the traits, I believe, to do everything you would need him to do in an effective spread offense that Hugh Freeze and Philip Montgomery have done in their entire career. You putting him at third is, uh, I think, a lot more complimentary to TJ Finley than a lot of other people are. Uh, I do think he is probably the second quarterback, uh, just based on how everything goes. But the thing for Golden Holden is (laughs) he does not have the negative tape from his time at Auburn that Robbie Ashford does. Obviously, they have not been able to get guys on the field to actually work with them yet. And Hugh Freeze is big on, I want to see a quarterback throw before I offer a guy, when I'm evaluating guys. Right. And so right now, since he can't see uh, holding Aaron or throw or Robbie Ashford throw until today, Mm -hmm. everything that he's seen has been on film from last season. And for the most part, Robbie Ashford's tape, while with flashes of brilliance, that throw in the Iron Bowl keeps coming back to me, Beautiful. for the most part, was not great. And right. so it's I'm not going to say you have a completely clean slate because you don't, but he's working out of a hole that is significantly less, like significantly shallower than Robbie Ashford's hole. And I think that's a good thing for him. I think it's a good thing mm. for the offense. And if you look at some of the quarterbacks, Hugh Freeze has had before. Holden Gariner has a lot of those same traits. The size, good size, a good arm. He may be more mobile than we think. We just haven't really seen it. But either way, it feels like this is 
This is his time to go out and to impress the coaching staff and for them to really give a lot of time and attention to him since you only have four quarterbacks in spring right now because you have your, your three scholarship guys and Sawyer Pate, and that's all you have. There's not a mm-hmm. bunch of walk-ons like normal. Right. And so there's extra reps out there for them to spend time with him and pour into him the same as he has time to go out there and impress the coaching staff. Yeah, I, I think it's really telling also – you look at, okay, his first chance to go out and get a high school quarterback, and he does, Walker White, and he looks much similar to Holden Gurner as far as ability and as far as what they've done up to that point. You know, if you look at what Holden did through his junior year of high school, like very similar traits there versus, you know, what Robbie Ashford brings. And look, it's really fun to think about, you know, what if Robbie Ashford could be Malik Willis? And I'm not saying that he can't be. I don't think he is, but I'm not saying that he can't be. And obviously, if he goes out there and shows like, hey, he's that good, he's going to win the starting job. And you may not even go out and get a transfer guy. You never know. No clue. But I think it's telling that when Hugh Freeze had the opportunity to pull out all the stops and make sure he got his high school quarterback for his first full class at Auburn, that he went out and got Walker White. And to me, that kind of gives Holden Gurner a shot because it's like, look, this is the offense that we are currently running. This is the offense that we are currently running and the offense that you're going to be running in the future, when you talk about, he talked about it on, on the show last week when he came on. When, with, uh, with, with Walker saying, you know, he sat down with Philip Montgomery, and they were showing him tape of him coaching RG3. And it's like, okay, he's not RG3, but he could still be used in the offense the same way as RG3. And so just because they don't have that elite mobility doesn't mean they can't be effective with their feet. And so I, I think Holden Gurner, has a real, real shot to be one of the guys that could be huge winners in spring over the next few weeks. Let's do another guy on offense before we move to the defensive side of the ball. Lindsay, who are you thinking? I'm thinking Damari Alston. I think he's the forgotten guy in this running back room because mm. we look at Brian Batie is in. He's one year of eligibility left. We all right. assume he's automatically the backup. You look at, you've got a Jeremiah Cobb coming. He's the highly touted recruit. And... Alston's the guy that we kind of leave out. But the thing is, Cobb is not here in spring. And so you have, a if you're Demario Alston, you have a great opportunity to go out in spring, do all all of the dirty work, get in the pass blocking drills, flash your hands and your pass catching ability. uh, Do everything that you can do to submit yourself as as the backup or like to put yourself in that rotation knowing that when Jeremiah Cobb gets here in summer or fall, he has to learn the playbook essentially from scratch. Yeah, You can be ahead of him. You have to show you understand um, the playbook and you understand your fit in the offense, but you can go ahead and submit yourself in a role in your freshman year. In a year where a lot of people, and there's been times when I was included in this, have kind of just assumed that Cobb was going to be the guy. I'm in that boat. Was going to come in as a true freshman and be the backup or the number three and kind of take your place, you have a chance to go out there and, and submit your role at least early in the season. You know, uh, coaches make up the lineup before the season starts. Players make the lineup once once games are here. Wow. You have a chance to play yourself. I stole from Butch Thompson. You oh, have a way, like you have the ability to play yourself into that first week lineup by, based on what you do in spring, whereas Jeremiah Cobb does not. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you could look back, you know, probably at the show 365 days ago. And that was one of our storylines. Like, can Jarquez Hunter do enough in spring? And then he missed a lot of spring because he had that minor procedure on his knee. And then we're like, oh, okay. All right. And then Damari Austin looked good, right? He looked good in his limited roles there. And then all of a sudden it's like, did he do enough? Like is Jarquez Hunter, should he be worried about Damari Austin? And then in fall, he looks great. Wasn't even wearing a brace. And it's like, okay. Yeah. So I say all that to say like the best running backs are going to play, which is exciting, which is great. Um, and it's Jarquez Hunter one. And after that, I, I just really don't know because I think a lot of it, Lindsay is going to come down to role. And I don't know exactly what role Batik can play. Like, is he? Can he be a full time backup in the SEC? I think he can. I think we're. Uh, I think some people are overplaying the argument of his size. We'll have to wait and see. But look, I, I like Damari Austin, and a lot of people assume I don't because I'm so stinking high on Jeremiah Cobb, and I still am. I'm still very high on Jeremiah Cobb. But Damari Austin can make a statement. There's no question about it that he can make a statement this spring, and he's another guy that could be a huge winner this spring. I think that's a great. Great pick, Lindsay. We've got two defenders, both newcomers, that can be huge winners for Auburn this spring. We'll tell you who in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. You've got to try Built Bars. They are the best, delicious, healthy treat. Uh, if you don't want all the fat and calories, and you have to. You literally have to try Built Bar. All bars are covered 100% in real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And now... They're available in Walmart and Sam's Club. You guys are DMing me a lot more now because you're seeing Built Bars in Walmart and Sam's Club, and you guys are holding them, which I love. Keep these messages coming, and you guys are like, should I get them? And I'm like, of course. Of course you should get this delicious, flavorful treat that's covered 100% in real chocolate. And you look at the nutrition label, and you're like, oh, my gosh. How is this even possible? Low calories, high protein, virtually no sugar. And then you eat it, and you're like, man, this tastes like a candy bar. Try it. Try it. It's probably your closest Walmart or Sam's Club. And of course, you can check out built.com for even more flavor options. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Lindsey Crosby, our guest every single Monday here. My defensive player that could be a huge winner this spring, Demario Tolan. We've talked about the linebacker situation over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I think the transfer from LSU is in a battle, a three-way battle for, I think, two real spots. And there's going to be probably more rotation than we saw a year ago. But I think in what we're going to see, you know, that 4-2 front where it's a, it's a, it's a nickel, you know, nickel is the new base. I I don't think there's going to be a ton of snaps where Auburn has more than two linebackers on the field at the same time as far as, those Mike linebackers that we've seen because sometimes we're going to call that Jack linebacker a linebacker. And sometimes we're going to call it a, you know, a stand up end. But as far as what I'm calling it, there's going to be two of these guys when the battle between Tolan and then Cam Riley, the incumbent. And of course the Ole Miss transfer Austin keys. I think DeMario Tolan can come in 
and remind people of these elite linebackers that we've had in the past, the Kobe McLeans, the Deshaun Davises, the Trey Williams. I think there's a lot of guys that Auburn have seen lead defense be in the middle of the defense where you're like, DeMario Tola could be that next dude. No offense to Cam Riley, but I think those two guys are going to be battling it out, and it's going to be really, really fun to see. Yeah, those are lofty names to be grouped in with, but I do think when you look at these linebackers, and I, I think DeMario Tola's a great choice for this, you, you're kind of going to split them up into two different types of linebackers. You're going to have the Austin Keys type, you know, 245, 250, the bigger bodies that play more of that traditional middle linebacker role. And then you're going to have, you know, the guys like a DeMario Tolan, like a Eugene Asante, if he's able to get in, uh, that are a little bit lighter. Tolan's like 220 or so, a little mm-hmm. bit lighter, a little bit rangier, can do a little more in coverage. If you ever get in a situation where you drop down to a one linebacker set, that's probably the guy who's in. And I do find it kind of interesting. DeMario Tolan's number this spring. Mm-hmm. Number zero. Wow. Similar to the six foot, 200 and change pound, super speedy linebacker who we had in the middle before in Owen Papo. Right. Not saying he's going to be Owen Papo, but I, I hope he's better than Owen Papo was. I think he'll have a lot of the same aspects of the game as far as the speed, the range, things like that. Obviously, you want him to be a little more, uh, a little more stout in, uh, in, in run support things like that, but it does feel like this is his opportunity, one, to uh, to come in and seize the starting job in spring, but two, for the coaching staff to really focus on him and making him the captain of the defense because he's already transferred once. He's a sophomore, mm. and so you're guaranteed, barring him choosing to sit out for a year, you're guaranteed mm-hmm. to have DeMario Tolan for two seasons. Whereas Austin Keys is a junior, he'll be draft eligible. You know, it, it's something where once these guys have used that one free transfer, uh, it is very difficult uh, for that player to pull the trigger on move, on leaving again without graduating. And so I think there is a little bit of a, this guy is here. Yeah. We can spend a little more of our time and our attention and our resources developing him, right. knowing, barring a worst case scenario, he's going to be here for at least two seasons. That's interesting. Does that because obviously Cam Riley could leave? Yeah, I don't think he's going to. But he's, you do wonder, like, if he if those two guys have a better spring than him, like, does he think about it? That that'd be really interesting to think about. On on this note, it kind of makes me go back to the quarterback conversation we just had. Like, you look at Garner can leave. Holden Garner can leave. Robbie yeah. Ashford can't leave. T.J. Finley supposedly hasn't left because he hasn't graduated yet. And so, do you? Do you spend extra time developing Holden Gariner in spring? Make him feel a little loved? Like, hey, let you him, know, we're taking you seriously. Exactly. You mm. want him to feel like the coaching staff really does value and appreciate and want him to be the guy uh, before and during Walker White's time on campus and transition because you know that unlike Ashford and Finley, it's a lot easier for Golden Holden to leave than it is for anybody else. And so I think... Like, that's the world we live in now. You have to pay attention to these things. So, yeah, people talk about recruiting your current players. That's exactly that's exactly what that looks like. My defensive uh, – already gave you my, I already gave you mine. Who is your defensive player that could be a huge winner this spring? Lindsey Crosby. We're talking about playing time, and I think about one of the positions that I feel like we need more depth at. A lot of people tell me we don't, but edge. Who's tell- telling you not? Who's telling you that we don't need that? I've seen there's been people I'm on, sure there are 
in the YouTube comments and on Twitter who have been like, I think we're good with our room. Listen, Keldrick Falk is an early enrollee. And I love when you have freshmen early enrollees who can do, who can be in spring, but especially love it when they're at a position of need. Because I feel like right now, obviously, you brought in a transfer, right? You brought in Elijah McAllister. Uh, he's supposed to be your guy, your, your starter. But you're in a situation where uh, Dylan Brooks has been here for a while. He hasn't been as uh, hasn't got as much play time as people would have liked at the Jack position. He hasn't put up the stats that you mm-hmm. necessarily would like. And so Keldrick Falk being here in the spring, I think gives him a better chance to learn the playbook as well as to start on the physical work you have to do to be acclimated to the SEC, the conditioning work, the strength work. He's already a, a, a significantly large human being, 6'5", 240. But getting that physical work in, getting that mental work in, the reps and the playbook, so that when the season starts, he can not only be your number two edge, but he can have an impact his first year versus a guy like Dylan Brooks, uh, who has been here for a while, but again, starting on a clean slate. If you are better than him, like people think you are, like you claim you are, you have an opportunity now to take that play time because there is no for sure number two edge in stone on this roster. Yeah, and so... I want to talk just for a second about the Jack linebacker situation. So with what we're going to see from that position, it's different than the edge that we've seen over the last few years, last half decade at Auburn. These Jacks, and when you saw it some, like Carl Lawson did it some, Jeff Holland did it some, like the whole dropping back in the coverage, this is going to happen more this year than it has in years past. And so I'm just looking at Auburn's official roster right now. You got five. Elijah McAllister, 6'6", 265. Keldrick Fox, 6'5", 240. Brent Williams is 6'4", 245. Hayden Bryce is 6'3", 226. And Dylan Brooks is 6'4", 232. So a few of those guys are smaller and undersized, right? And that's just kind of their thing. But... The guys that I think are going to play more, which is Keldrick Falk and Elijah McAllister, and I think Dylan Brooks will have a specific pass rush role. I don't like, I just don't love the idea of putting guys more than 240 pounds in coverage. That's just something like, this is a philosophical thing I just don't believe in. I just don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. And sure, the element of creepers is like, you don't show blitz before people are coming no matter what. It may be the four down linemen, it may be three down linemen. You drop the jack back into coverage and Demario Tolan or Austin Keys or or Cam Riley come in and you got to like always prepare for that. Like I get it. That's what creepers is. And you know, Roberts defensive coordinator, Ron Roberts talks all about havoc rate and things like that. That's, that's what causes it. And so like you get a little bit of an advantage, right? If you're kind of keeping the opposing offense on its toes, but like still we're dropping a 250 pound man in the coverage. And I just don't love that Lindsay. So keep in mind when we talk about the Jack, it's a different skill set than what we did when we talked about the edge over the past few years. And so this is something that possibly could help Dylan Brooks. You know, I've kind of pooped on him for saying like, hey, why can't you gain weight? But all of a sudden, 6'4", 232, like I'm much more comfortable with him in the flats than I am Elijah McAllister, right? I mean, it's just a 30-pound difference. It's easier to move to 30 than it is 260, you know? So we'll see. We will certainly see what that looks like. Keldrick Falk, that's a lot of information 
to learn while you're already kind of adapting to the speed of the game. I mean, he's used to playing two-A ball, right? I mean, he's going from two-A ball to the, to the SEC. SEC. That's a big jump. That's a huge jump. And so we'll have to see how that translates, Lindsay. But the skill set, it's not just a traditional edge anymore. The jack is different. But if Keldrick Falk figures it out, Lindsay, there's a chance we're looking at a Marlon Davidson impact early, true freshman type stuff. He's got it. He has it physically. Can he put it all together? If he does, he'll be a huge winner this spring. Yeah, and this is I'm, – I'm not going to go as far to, as to say that how this jack room uh, shakes out determines the season, but I think the ceiling of this defense is predicated on how much production you can get out of the jack room. Like you said, Elijah McAllister is a little oversized for your pass coverage kind of stuff, but uh, you do have the ability here – to like the better that they play, the better your defense is going to be because this is going to be when you don't have something schemed up, when you don't have a designer pressure called, this is going to be the position that provides that consistent pass rush for you. Mm-hmm. And so if Keldrick Falk can acclimate to this room quickly, and again, I love having him here for spring so that you can do that, Agreed. it raises the ceiling. For your defense. And so that's why I want, like, that's why I am very excited for your Tuesday show where you're going to have first person impressions of what you saw at practice because I'm hopeful for good news about Caldrick Ball. No question. No question about it. All right. We're recording this a few minutes after uh, I just got home from one of the weirdest baseball games I've ever watched. Let's recap the weekend. Auburn didn't lose, Auburn never lost to USC. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Hey, Alumni Hall is the best place to buy all of your Auburn swag. There's no question about it. More and more of you are messaging me talking about how great Alumni Hall is. And it's like, I know. I know. I'm glad you're learning. It's awesome stuff. Great name brands, all officially licensed Auburn gear. Obby's all over the place. They've got stuff you can wear. They've got stuff your house can wear and your walls can wear. If you want to put stuff on your walls. Drinkware, so I guess that's stuff that your drink can wear. Alumni Hall's got all of it, all of it. If you're in the Auburn, Opelika, Lee County area, they've got two stores, one in Opelika, one in Auburn. Also one in Huntsville. Even you Huntsville people are reaching out. I love it. Four hours is so far from Auburn. Alumni Hall is home, right? Alumni Hall is home. Be sure to check it out. There are three in-person stores throughout the state or alumnihall.com. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Lindsey Crosby, before we jump into things, what all do you have going on these days, my friend? Oh, my gosh. So, AuburnDaily.com, right. I am putting out baseball pieces just about every single day. It is wild. We You're have a crazy a person. Stuff. We have a yeah. ton of stuff going on. Uh, but also, Locked on MLB Prospects, the podcast, on Twitter, at Locked on Farm, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube, spring training has started. And yes. so, the best thing about spring training, if you're a prospect guy like me, is that these vets play five innings tops. They're on the golf course by 2.30. And so the prospects who are in Mm. camp are the ones getting the rest of the at-bats. 
So it's a great time on the show as well. Check that out. And then we're busy designing new merch at AUShirts.com. So tons of stuff going on. And quick programming note, I'm expecting a second child any week now. That is wild that you are having a baby. I am so impressed. I have met somebody. I know somebody who's going to make history. Um, well, I don't want to take credit, but really okay. my wife's doing most of the work. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Let's just be clear here. Yeah, yeah, okay. But when that happens, Lindsay will be taking over the show for probably about a week. A few shows to a week. We'll see. He'll be joined by Charlie Five and Daryl and some of the other guys. So just kind of be on a heads up for that. Possession is nine-tenths of the law, folks. So we'll see what happens after that week. Uh, okay. <laughs> Got it. Uh, all right. So Auburn wins Friday and Saturday and then ties 12-12 on Sunday to USC. Of course, this game was supposed to be in L.A. Lindsay, they rescheduled it on Wednesday. Pretty incredible work by both programs to, to keep this game on the schedule. Sounds like there's some Blizzard stuff going on in California. So it was played here. USC traveled really well, Lindsay, mm -hmm. and um, Auburn's bats looked really, really good throughout the weekend. It appears to be sustainable, maybe a little better than we thought it would be. Yeah, so looking at the weekend, you score five runs on Friday. Close game, actually had a save situation, 5-3. Saturday, 12-6, to Auburn has three innings. You put up crooked numbers, uh, kind of explosion of bats. And then Sunday is just completely off the rails, drunk, 12-12 to tie. One of the wildest games I have seen in quite a while. And of course, uh, it's a tie. Like, what of course in the world? It's a what tie. So to clarify what happened, because of all of this craziness with the travel, Auburn booked travel for UFC on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, their flight is leaving out of Atlanta. And so the rule passed was no new inning could start after 3.30 p.m. On a 12 o'clock first pitch. Normally, not a big deal, right? 11 runs were scored in the first two innings on Sunday. So this game drug on. The ninth inning started at like 3.22 or something like that. So the ninth inning was going to be it. USC gets runners on first and third, gets a base hit. The guy comes in to score the winning run, but didn't touch home plate. They they touch the the plate. He's out. Run doesn't count. Lindsay, there was this there was this fan sitting. He was on the first base side, but pretty close to home plate. And he's like grabbing the net, screaming. And Nate Larue, the whole all the Plainsman Parks looking at this guy. He's so loud. And the ball's at, at second, right? Like the the ball's at second base. And so Larue like looks at the guy, and he's like. He nods and he looks at the, you know the second base and he's like I don't I don't remember if it was second baseman or shortstop that's standing there but they Short throw stop. him the they throw him the ball and then it's out and like everybody just points to this dude <laughs> it's like and I saw a few people like crediting the 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 dugout and it's like it may have been but Larue heard the fan he did not hear the dugout give like, that give that cool. guy season tickets <laughs> yeah. because he he saved you from losing this game to USC. Right. Um, Sunday non-conference baseball is wild. You won the series on Saturday, right? And so Butch talked about this Saturday night when he met with the media. You now have an opportunity. You let a lot of the youngsters play, especially in the pitching rotation and, and the bullpen, uh, kind of give them a chance to acclimate to the college game. Sunday, uh, four runs before, like for USC before you record an out. Uh, Auburn turns around, scores seven on answer. USC picks up four more in the fourth, three more in the seventh. It's just a back-and-forth battle. But ends in a tie. 
ultimately what happens here, Auburn wins the series two, zero and one, right? It's so weird to have a tie in baseball. I had to look up how RPI treats a tie because I literally did not know because baseball is not a sport where you tie a lot. I've never been to a game where there was a tie, like ever. In any now, that I, now that I think about it, I don't think I've been to many baseball games that were ties, honestly. I've never been um, to one. There was, I, I went to a minor Something league game that went to extras, and they were going to take it to a tie if nobody scored in the 10th, but somebody scored in one, so we're fine. Okay. Um, but, it, but either way, so Auburn gets out of this right now. They are 5-1-1. One, and one. Uh, I wrote a piece at Auburn Daily before the season started about the schedule in the RPI. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is obviously a big deal when it comes to postseason seeding. This is what basketball is dealing with right now because they lost to Kentucky so bad over the weekend. Uh, sorry to bring up bad feelings, folks. Yikes. Uh, so Auburn is a top 60 team right now in RPI. They're 57th. Uh, their opponent this upcoming weekend, Lipscomb, is a top 50 team in RPI. Southeastern Louisiana the weekend after that. Uh, they were a postseason team last year. They came to Auburn. In the Auburn Regional, they were the four seed that Auburn exploded on for 15 runs in the first inning of game one last year. And then you have a home-and-home with Georgia Tech. Mm -hmm. So, uh, one, root for USC to win the rest of their games, to do well in the Big 12. Or, sorry, Mm -hmm. the the Pac-12. But two, the fact that this series got moved to home didn't hurt Auburn as much because they didn't lose any games. You get more credit for a road victory then you do a home victory, and you get more uh, more punishment for a home loss than a road loss. Auburn didn't lose anything at home, and the one tie, in essence, is a wash. There's mm-hmm. no negative repercussions for a tie. So Auburn's in a good position. Uh, right now, it's all going to be down to pitching. I feel like the hitting is sustainable. It's a lot of, you've got home run power. Justin Kirby has five hits on the season, and all of them are home runs. Yeah. It is the wildest stat line I have ever seen seven games into a season. He's got five hits. They're all home runs. Including a grand, two of grand them slam. on Sunday, including a grand slam. Exactly. Yep. Uh, two freshman Ike Irish already feels like he's the best hitter on the team. He's batting he's in the three hole. So good. He's so good. I mean, it's he's unbelievable. It's at the point where I, I saw on Saturday there was a borderline pitch that he did not swing at. And the umpire called it a strike. And somebody in the press box who is uh, works for a national outlet as a big SEC, or sorry, a big college baseball veteran said, well, if Ike's not swinging, I think that probably was a ball. Like, nice. That's how good this freshman is. But the ceiling is going to be determined by this pitching staff. And uh, these games on Sundays like this, it's two Sundays in a row where Auburn's given up a bunch of runs. The offense picked them up this, this week on like last week. But you're learning more about the guys you can and can't trust and who is ready for SEC action and who is not. So They also did this all without getting like any innings from Gonzo. Yeah, Joseph Gonzalez was out all weekend. He was supposed to be Saturday starter. Uh, when he threw his bullpen late Wednesday, he woke up on Thursday with shoulder soreness. Uh, it's the same shoulder that held him out of spring. So they held him out uh, the whole weekend. He was not happy about it. He was not, you know, he, he was yeah. he was very unhappy about that. But Auburn pieced it together without him. Mm. And so you feel better now about the depth in your pitching rotation. If you had to do a situation like in 2021, where you went to your four and your five and your six guys, you know more about them than you did. Uh, we've seen the back end of the bullpen. We've seen the, you know, that these guys are close to the talent level 
of a Burke Halter and a Skipper as far as a John Armstrong and a Will Cannon, but they don't quite have the endurance. Armstrong had three appearances in five days, was worn down to the end of the third appearance. Cannon uh, did a back-to-back, and in the second inning he was in on the second day, the stuff wasn't quite there. So they can do it in shorter stints, but like you're just this is all this schedule is about right now. You want to learn as much as you can. Auburn's yeah. get an idea of who can do it and who can't. So Wednesday night, Florida AM, this weekend against Lipscomb. Again, all your coverage, AuburnDaily.com. I'll be there. I'll have all your takeaways. We'll have the live blog. We'll have the previews, uh, the, the opposition scouting, everything. It'll be great. Yep, absolutely. And you can follow all of my stuff. My written stuff is at AuburnDaily.com as well, including later today, I'll post practice observations as quick as I possibly can after our practice window for the first practice in the Hugh Freeze era for Auburn football. Until then, we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked on College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.